In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of the month of Beba, and we read the, in the scripture the story of when the Lord Jesus Christ cast out a demon um, from a man, and then he was immediately accused um, by the Pharisees of casting out this uh, demon by the power of the demons, by the power of Satan. And the Lord Christ responded to, this, uh, to, these, to these accusations, um, and he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And so his point was, is that if Satan was divided against himself, meaning that it was through the power of Satan that the Lord was able to cast out Satan, this means that Satan is at war with himself. Why is it that Satan would cast out Satan if he has the purpose of wanting to conquer humanity and destroy humanity because of his hatred toward God? Why is it he would do so? And so it tells us something about actually the kingdom of Satan that we can learn from and that we have to be careful of. Because if we look at our own lives and we look at maybe the state of the world, we look at the state of the church, we look at the state of our families, we look at the state of our hearts, and maybe what we find there is division. We see many types of division um, and all of these different levels. We see families divided against one another, um, fighting with one another. We see uh, countries warring with each other. We see maybe even division in the churches. Um, and even myself, I am divided in the sense that, that there is part of me that wants one thing and there's a part of me that wants something else. There's a part of me that desires holiness and there's a part of me that desires sin. And so we find in ourselves all of these different types of division. And, and this is actually uh, what, what, what the Lord is bringing to our attention here in the scripture today is that the Satan, Satan's kingdom does not suffer from such division. He does not suffer from these types of division, and that's what makes him actually so successful. So we're going to speak a little bit. We typically don't speak about the success of the devil or any kind of good qualities of the devil, but there is something here we can learn about how the kingdom of Satan is actually so united. Um, Isaiah the prophet, he spoke about the kingdom of Satan and Lucifer. He said, O Lucifer, son of the morning, you who weaken the nations, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities? So he's speaking here about a prophecy of the fall of Satan, about the destruction of Satan, about, about Satan kind of being cast down. But he's also mentioning many different qualities or things, accomplishments that Satan has actually accomplished throughout his life. He said, what? You, you, you weaken the nations. You know, when we look at the nations, we see nations are powerful. Who is it that can conquer them? Actually, Satan weakened them. He made the earth to tremble, meaning everyone was affected by his influence. Everyone was shaken by his influence. He shook the kingdoms. He made the world a wilderness, meaning he took the, the, the beautiful creation that God had made and, and the paradise that God had created, and he turned it into a wilderness. He turned it into a barren place. He turned it into a place that does not bear fruit. He, he, he took the good thing that God had made and through his temptation of us, manipulated us to destroy the very thing that God had made. And he says, well, he destroyed its cities. So if you were to look at the accomplishments of Satan, of what it is that he set out to do to destroy the creation of God, Satan was very, very successful in doing what it is that he sought to do. And so one of the reasons we can point to is he is united. There is no civil war amongst the demons. All of the demons are united with one purpose and with one mind to seek to destroy us as human beings. 
as the Lord said today, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? So very clearly, if, if he's saying that the kingdom of Satan could not stand if it was not united, right? But then we look to ourselves and we ask ourselves, how is it that we can stand? How is it that we can be um, we can persevere. How is it we can endure? How is it we can last unless we also are united? And as I said, there are many different levels of unity. The first level of unity that I want to speak about is in the level of the church. Okay? And Titus, uh, he says, but, but avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. Sometimes even in the church, we have disagreements about things. We have different opinions about how things should be. And people sometimes uh, become very, very attached to a specific opinion or idea, um, even if that is a theological opinion. Um, some kind of opinion in the church, people have very, very strong ideas about it. And then what does this result in? Does it result in um, coming to the knowledge of the truth? Does it result in illumination or enlightenment? Maybe sometimes, but oftentimes, unfortunately, it comes to division. It comes to schism. It comes to um, uh, personal attacks against one another, people attacking one another, people accusing one another, um, kind of falling into a debased mode of life according to the old nature and not according to the new and enlightened nature in Christ. And so we find that there can be divisions in the church. And if the church of God is divided, how is it that we can stand against this united enemy who seeks to destroy us? There's also um, divisions that happen in families. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, St. Paul says, For you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? He's saying the, the family unit... Okay, the family unit is the core of, the Christ of Christianity, along with the church. What does that mean? The majority of the faith should be transferred from one generation to the other through the family. Because you are in your family the majority of the time. Yes, we come to church uh, every week, but the, 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 the core of the Christian faith should be communicated both through word and through action in the family. Okay, this is one of the major roles that parents have in, the, in, their, in, their, in their families, in their homes. And actually in the book of Malachi, when God is speaking about why is it that he unites as one the husband and the wife, his reasoning was is that he wants a godly offspring. So how is this godly offspring going to come if our families are divided and there is no unity in our homes and we are not sacrificing for one another we are not forgiving one another we are not being patient with one another we are quick to separate we are quick to divide we're quick to argue there is no respect there is little love how is it that we can find a place and an atmosphere where the word of god can can be lived in the midst of such division when every day is simply um we are we are barely tolerating one each, each other's presence how is it in such an environment can we actually speak about God? How can we pray together? How can we grow in love for one another and in love for God and service and so on? And so this kinds of division could be um, between spouses, division between spouses, fighting against one another for trivial matters, not willing to let go of things, putting their personal needs before each other. It could be fighting between children and parents, 
meaning the children do not respect the parents. They're disobeying the parents. They're not willing to submit. They're not, they're, they want an explanation for everything. You know, now we're in our society. Now it's like everything has to have an explanation. The idea of the children just obeying the parents for the sake of obedience is a very rare thing to find, right? Um, and, and then also parents against the children. When St. Paul was speaking to the Ephesians, he spoke to them not just that the children should honor the parents, but he said that the parents should also not provoke the children, meaning the parents have to be wise in the way they raise the children, not being too harsh or too strict on them, but being wise in the way that they raise them. So we have also divisions in the family. Also, maybe in a, at the most fundamental level, we have division of the self. Each of us is divided. And James chapter 1, verse 26, it says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Right? This one's religion is useless. This is a person who is what? From the one side, he is trying to practice his faith and his religion. But on the other side, he is deceiving himself because he is not actually living it. He, maybe it is something he believes in his mind. Maybe it is a faith that he proclaims with his lips. But it is not something that he lives on a regular basis, on a day-to-day, -day, in the way that he speaks to one another. Right? So this is a division. Right? Even in this, that our faith is divided, that we maybe our minds believes one thing, but our actions say otherwise. Um, also, maybe we have a desire for praise. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men, to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. There is again a division here. My actions say that I am being charitable. My actions say that I am showing love and kindness to others. But my heart is what? Maybe my heart, all it cares about is to be seen, is to receive praise from other people. Again, this is a division. For us to really know ourselves, this is maybe the, 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 the goal and the mission of our entire life, is that we are trying to know ourselves. And then once we see in us what is lacking, we bring that to the Lord Jesus Christ in confession, and we ask him to forgive us and to help us to grow and to overcome. But to realize that we have these divisions, to realize that I am not, I don't, I'm not have a just simple motivations. I am complicated, right? The Lord said we should be simple. St. Paul says we should be simple. Simple meaning that I am one person. I am one person everywhere. I am one person regardless of whether I am at church or at work or with my friends or alone or with my family. The way that I think, the way that I act is one in every way. And so I am a united person. I am a simple person. Whereas a complicated person is always trying to decide what should I say? How should I act based on the situation, based on who I'm with? Because I'm not simple. I'm not, I'm not just the same person in every place, but I am divided. So again, if Satan is himself always one, with one goal, with one mission, always at peace with his fellow demons seeking to destroy us, and we come with all of these different divisions, how is it that we have any hope of defeating him? How is it that when we are so divided that we can, uh, we can conquer him? Another advantage that the demons have is the advantage of patience. The advantage of patience. Um, it says in Job chapter 2, when the Lord was speaking to Satan, he said, From where do you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. It gives you this feeling that all throughout, since the creation, that the devil has been walking back and forth. 
He's been like walking to and fro on the earth. He is very patient. He is looking to see whom he may devour. He is constantly has his eyes open. He is always looking for some in, some way that he can make us to fall, some, some, um, some way he's able to deceive or manipulate. When we were speaking about in the series in the Harvest Meeting about the Diabolic Wars um, from his, the book by His Holiness Pope Shenouda, and he spoke very, very at length about the patience of the devil and how he's able to begin to manipulate us in a way that only comes to a full fruition maybe decades in the future, right? So he's very, very patient, right? He's always waiting to see how is it that he can attack us, and he is relentless. He does not stop. He is just waiting for his opportunity. But if you look at human beings, unfortunately, human beings, unfortunately, are not very patient. We do not tend to have a lot of patience, and we often give up very quickly. Um, in Luke chapter 21, it says, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. In order for us to be able to repel and endure the attacks of Satan, the temptations of Satan, the trials that we experience in this life, we have to be patient. Because God has said that we will experience suffering. There will be different types of suffering, different seasons of suffering in our life. And God is calling us to be patient, to endure. How is it if we are not patient, how is it that we are going to endure the temptations of one who is so patient, who is willing to keep fighting us, who is willing to keep attacking us again and again and again without stopping, we also have to be patient, and God granted us to be patient. He allowed us to be patient. He's giving us, through the grace of the Holy Spirit, the ability to overcome him. But we have to pursue these virtues, because it is in these virtues that we will be able to conquer him. We'll be able to conquer the enemy. But again, here, um, the, the gospel reading of today, and what the Lord Christ is saying about Satan and his united kingdom, he is saying there are, the devil has many positive qualities. Remember that when God created Lucifer, he did not create him as a demon. He created him as the most powerful of the angels, and he imbued in him so many good qualities. And so these good qualities, now Satan has taken, and he has twisted them, and he is using them for evil. But those qualities themselves, the characteristics that he has, are very good. And so that is what makes him so powerful and so dangerous because he has taken that good that God has given him and he has turned it to attack us and turned it toward evil. Another thing that Satan has going for him is discipline. In 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, the, 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 the discipline of the devil, meaning that he does not take breaks. He does not go on vacation. He does not need to rest or relax. He does not need diversion. He is always focused on the one thing. And that one thing he is focused on is our destruction. This is what he wants. And he is so focused on it. And he's so patient, as we said. And he's so united, as we said. So in every way, he has all his weapons aimed against us, and he never relents. He never lets up. He never stops trying. He's always fighting to the very end. Um, there was a hermit who um, was able to cast out demons. Um, and so he asked, the, he asked the demons, he said, what makes you go away? Is it fasting? They replied, we do not eat or drink. Is it vigils? They said, we do not sleep. 
right? Demons do not sleep. They do not eat or drink. They do not need any break. They are constantly fighting and warring against us all the time. They do not waste their time. But if you look at us, when we, when we examine our own discipline, we find ourselves maybe very lacking in this, right? We are always in need of rest. We are always in need of diversion. We are always kind of struggling with laziness. We are not really doing all the time what it is that we should be doing, and we're spending many time wasted. Um, in Proverbs 26, it says, As a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. The lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. You know, like this image of this man who is so lazy that even as he puts his hand in the bowl to bring food to eat, he's so lazy he can't even bring his hand up from the bowl, you know, because that's, that's, how, that's how lazy he is. And so we struggle. We struggle with this. And we, we end up being very distracted by so many things, distracted by relationships, distracted by eating, distracted by work, distracted by fun, distracted by rest. And in all these distractions, what we forget is the devil is not distracted. The devil is, has us in his, you know, and is targeting us and is, wants to destroy us. And we are just kind of like trying to live our lives, um, enjoying our lives while we are targets for the enemy. He is pointing at us and he's wanting to devour us and to destroy us. So this is why in the church we focus so much on the idea of being disciplined and, and spending our time wisely because our enemy is spending his time seeking to destroy also another thing that the devil has is knowledge um, satan has from the very beginning studies us very well he knows what we like he knows what we don't like he knows our weaknesses he knows what it is that how is it that we live he also knows the word of god very well and he uses the word of god to twist it um, and to quote it in a way to deceive us this is actually the way that the devil tempted the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So he's using what? He's using scripture. He's quoting the word of God himself. You know, some people might think that, you know, if you read the word of God in the presence of Satan, that Satan will burn up and disappear. No, actually, Satan is using the word of God. He is reading it. He knows it. And he's quoting it. But he's not quoting it for the sake of teaching good. He is quoting it to seek to manipulate and deceive. And that's actually what we see in our, in our world today, is we see many, many different teachings and philosophies that people are peddling as the truth that are actually deceptions and lies right? He is very knowledgeable, and because he knows the truth, he is able to manipulate us by telling us things that sound like they are true, but they are actually not. For us, however, as human beings, so many of us, sometimes we live in ignorance. And actually, the prophet Hosea, he said, uh, or God was speaking to the prophet, he said, uh, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Why is it that the people were destroyed? They didn't understand. They didn't know God. They didn't know themselves. They didn't understand the temptations. They didn't know what it is that they were doing. They didn't know the consequences of their sin or their actions. And so they were destroyed because they didn't know. And again, sometimes we live our lives maybe not knowing, not understanding, not seeking to know. Um, how many people could we look in the world around us and say that these people are blinded? They don't really see the direction that their life is going and they're living their lives completely for the moment and not with any kind of um, future kind of planning or understanding. Another way that the devil has, is very successful is because he is aware of God. He knows the existence of God. 
you know, something that maybe we can't say for many people. In, in, in James chapter 2, he says, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Even the demons believe that there is God. You know, they don't, they don't deny the existence of God. They know that God exists. They hate him and they try to overcome him. They try to destroy his children. But at no point do they think that God doesn't exist because that would be foolishness, right? But if you look to us as human beings, how many people would you ask them, do you believe that God exists? And they will say, no, um, God does not exist, right? What does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? right? Uh, am, I, am I saying that I'm even aware of the existence of God, right? Does, does God even exist in my mind? Does, do I live my life as though God exists? I, you know, some people might come out directly and say, no, God does not exist. Some people say, yes, God exists, but I live my life as though he does not exist. I live my life as, that, as in God is not present at all. So if I don't even acknowledge God's presence in my life daily, right? How is it that I can stand up against this enemy who knows the existence of God and knows um, how to fight us? So, in conclusion, we spoke about five points of how the devil is so powerful and why he is so successful against us. And, and he is strong in maybe a lot of the areas where we are weak. So we have to be extra careful in these areas so that we do not give a place for the enemy to conquer and destroy us. The first we said was unity. He is united. His kingdom is united. He is, does not war against himself. When we war against ourselves, we become weak. When we fight against ourselves, we become weak. Whether that fighting is on the level of the church or our families or our, our country or ourselves, we are growing weak because we are directing all of our energy to warring against one another instead of warring against the true enemy. Um, the second point was patience. The devil is very patient and he does not relent in seeking to attack us. And he is very patient waiting for us to fall. We also have to be patient, patient in our repentance, patient in our struggle, patient in our endurance so that we can overcome him through the grace of God. The devil is very disciplined. He does not get distracted. He is not, you know, distracted or diverted from his mission by anything. There is nothing that lures him away from his mission to destroy us. We also need to live our life in a disciplined way, always being careful, always being alert and watchful so that we are not deceived. The fourth was knowledge. The devil has so much knowledge and understanding. He has knowledge of God. He has knowledge of scripture. He has knowledge of us. How is it that we can overcome him unless we also gain that knowledge? Understand who he is. Understand what he is doing. Understand the word of God. Understand how important our relationship with God is and to pursue that relationship. And then finally, the awareness of God. That I believe that God is present. I believe that God is with me. I believe that God can conquer him. He also knows that God is there and he's frightened from God. He's fearful. But when we realize that God is, is there with us, we seek his power, we seek his presence, we seek his love and forgiveness, and through him we can conquer um, the devil. So may God grant us always to be stronger than the devil through the power of God in our lives. And glory be to God forever. Amen.